Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. Extra time. Hello and welcome back to the Extra Time podcast. We weren't here last week, but fear not, we have returned. I'm joined this time by Chris Hamill and Doogie Critchley. Chris, good to be back on the Extra Time pod. I'm absolutely overjoyed, mate. Overwhelmed. Uh, I was up all night last night watching Last Chance You. Couldn't get to sleep and I was literally watching it engrossed until about two o'clock in the morning. And I've just been to see a personal trainer for the first time ever at the gym and he's destroyed my pathetic little body. So I'm all out at sea right now. I'm all out at sea. So I'm hoping, I'm placing a lot of trust in you right now. I'm feeling pretty vulnerable. Really? Well, I, you know, can't polish a turd in your case, Chris. So a bit of a lost cause, I imagine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> lovely to be back, Henry. Good, good to see you. Giving uh, up do- my day. <laughs> Thank you. Well, Thank you, Chris. Well, Doogie, uh, you know, my regular friends uh, at Euro Football Daily. We were saying earlier, now like Wimbledon, now, now, now Wimbledon's on. There's literally too, almost too much sport to watch. I don't know how you're focusing during work. Oh, it's relentless as well. We've got the Lions series, which is going to kick off. We've got the Olympics in August. We've got the finals of the Euros. Obviously, it's just getting hotting, hotting up in all across the world of sports. So, yeah, and I'm absolutely buzzing. What a time. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Uh, before we get into the podcast proper uh just say this episode is sponsored by fan team so we've been playing along uh, in their competition it's like a fantasy football team competition we put together our squads uh you can still enter into their daily games we'll get into that later but there is a million pound competition which us three are involved in chris how is your team doing at the moment i imagine anything will be better than my team so far listen my good picks have done well, but that's not saying much because I think a lot of people would have had the likes of Romelu Lukaku down as a potential golden boot winner. I also made him my captain, so I was pretty chuffed with that. Um, but unlike Dugo, I did not take advantage of the wild card after the group stage entry because um, <laughs> my, my timekeeping is poor. Uh, and I've had to make, prior to this episode, wholesale changes, let's say. <laughs> about seven or eight. Yeah. I mean... I still had Yilmaz on the bench. Gareth Bale was still in my midfield. Memphis Depay also in my midfield. Pretty smug that I got him as a midfielder uh, to start with. And then, of course, the Netherlands uh, were pathetic against the Czechs. Um, so mm. there we have it. I- I've, bought in, I've bought in some players that I'm fairly happy with. I've gone quite heavy on, on Denmark's players because I think they're going to they're edge the Czech Republic. Uh, I've bought Mailer in. I've bought Dolberg in. Uh, Christensen at, at centre-half. So... Yeah, heavily dependent on, on Denmark doing well to see me climb the leaderboard. Nice. Diggy, how about you? How's your team getting on? Oh, well, Chris says, you know, I played that wild card quite wisely, but it's really backfired, actually, because <laughs> I, I backed the wrong horses, guys. It's gone really badly. I brought in Denzel Dumfries. I brought in Memphis Depay. I made Cristiano Ronaldo my captain. All out. Gareth Bale also out as well. So I'm pretty much waiting for my game week to be saved by Victor Lindelof, Emil Forsberg or Kylian Mbappe. And I've got Gosens, actually, who could do a job against England tomorrow. So, or 
yesterday when you listen to this on YouTube at least. Um, so yeah, there's been a real mixed bag. Uh, some of my bench are doing quite well though. Backman uh, for Austria got a lot of uh, he got seven points for a lot of saves against uh, Italy and Mailer as well. The the Danish left back mm. grabbed a goal against Wales as well. So hopefully they'll come in to boost me. But it's not been too pretty so far on my fan Dukes. team team. Have you yes. checked out your uh, best ranking yet? <laughs> no, I haven't. I know I'm on 148 total points. Interesting, um, because my best ranking, I've somehow earned £10 profit. Uh, my total point's 225, actually. I'm wow, ten, I'm getting I'm, thrashed. I'm 10,000th out of 35,115. So I think that's pretty solid. The fact there's 25,000 people worse off than me, yeah, I am buoyed <laughs> by, but they must have been neglecting their teams big time. That's all I'll say. Yeah, I mean, I'm, an, I'm a glowing example of that. I think I'm 31,000. 30, that is awful. <laughs> that is terrible, Henry. You should it be stripped that. of presenting this podcast yeah. for that effort. Shocking. I think it, if it wasn't for Donnarumma and Lukaku, I'm pretty sure I'd be rock bottom as well. But I just, <laughs> Simon Kier has been bringing home some points as well. But yeah, it's not been going. But if, listen, at home, if you're thinking, why would I make a team now to get involved? There are the daily games, um, which you can play along with as well. It's £9 to enter. And essentially, so I've entered the Spain versus Croatia game and you pick five players uh, for your team and it's kind of done on um, expected points so if you've picked a really obvious player who's expected to bring you loads of points uh, the differential is a bit different so you're meant to like find the niche players that could push forward uh, your team I've gone for Unai Simon Jordi uh, Alba which is which is a bit of an obvious choice along with Modric but I've also backed Morata up front I reckon this is the game Morata's going to come good in you love um, Morata I just I just sort of like He's just... I'm hopeful that he's going to come good at some point. He's a bit like England's it's football dreams. He's got, like, every other part of his game has been fine in this tournament. Like, he's dropped mm. off. He's linked well. Like, he looks in very good shape. Uh, good stamina. And then... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bless him. Just absolutely apple crumbles in front of goal. But um, I also, like you, I hope he comes good, yeah. A lot of negative energy out there towards him. Can we start bullying Morata, please? No, that's why I've picked him for the team. I've backed, I've backed him to score me goals today. I, I mean, know you have, and I'm on board albeit, with it. Albeit he was a very cheap option as a result of uh, certain conditions, but um, I'm backing Morata. So yeah, you can play along with the daily games as well. You've got to be 18 plus to play along. Terms and conditions do apply, and there will be a link in the description below. But fan team, thank you so much for sponsoring us again. All right, let's crack on with the rest of the episode. We thought we'd do something a little bit different today uh, because we, we were a little bit inspired by the Cristiano Ronaldo uh, achievement of matching Ali Dea's international record. And uh, of 109 goals, which is frankly ridiculous. I'm gutted that we won't see him break it at this tournament. Um, I love I love Ali Dea. He spoke to Euronews and he said he had a good feeling about Ronaldo. He was glad his record could be broken by a player who was a true champion on the field and an all-out gentleman off the playing field. I mean, what a nice man mm. to concede his <laughs> title in such a way. Um, but yeah, I thought we could have a look at some of the kind of other wild... Um, uh, Football records. trivia yeah. and stats out there because there are you know there are some like unbelievable numbers and statistics. So this is going to be a bit of a different episode. There's going to be a quiz running through it. We're going to pit Doogie and Chris's knowledge against each Ooh. other. I've seen there's been a call for the football pyramid back. Uh, so you know maybe this will be like a little warm up into that at some point. But <laughs> pre-season for football pyramid. I love yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly what this is. Um, Doogie, just quickly though. Uh, that Portugal game, we're filming this a day afterwards. Are you gutted to see Portugal not going through? For, more for like that record, if anything. 
Yeah, I mean, I predicted on Continental Club Portugal to win 2-1, and you guys both back Belgium. And once again, I'm in the mud. Uh, I thought Portugal played pretty well, to be fair, except for a pretty dysfunctional sort of final 10-15 minutes when Fernando Santos just kept on putting on every single attacker and had Bruno pretty much as his deepest midfielder at points, which was quite bizarre. But... You know, there was a lot of fuss made about João Felix's performances afterwards. I think Roy Keane was pretty scathing in the studio. I thought that was pretty undeserved, really. Um, I thought João Felix was absolutely fine. I thought Portugal's weakest player on the night was probably Diogo Jota once again. Just a highly forgettable tournament for the Liverpool man. Ronaldo was trying his best. He, He created a great chance for Jota in that second half. He was taking all sorts of free kicks from all sorts of rogue angles, which was probably not the best idea. He's got such a bad record from free kicks. He probably should have just given Bruno a go or maybe tried a cross once or twice just to catch them out. But anyway, yeah, I am gutted that he didn't manage to, to get the record in this tournament because he was really performing so well in that group stage as well, although quite a few penalties involved in that as well. But this just will will 100% not be the end of of Ronaldo at the Euros. I still think he'll be here in four years' time. He keeps his body in such remarkable shape that I think he could go on to his early 40s. And Portugal, as long as he's available, I think will pick him as well. Um, Because how can you doubt someone with 109 goals in 179 games? So this is not the end of CR7. Yeah, it's crazy. That's so true. I mean, Chris, do you agree? Because I think before the tournament, there's a lot of like, oh... Ronaldo is he getting phased out is Jota coming through is the kind of time for the next generation but he's just shown once again like he is the spearhead of that side like, unequivocally no one's touching him almost I mean do you where do you see him going from here in terms of his involvement with the international side imagine being 25 year old Andre Silva at the peak of your power just come <laughs> off an unbelievable season with Eintracht Frankfurt 33 goal involvements in in 32 starts and yeah you have this medical marvel uh, this 36 year old starting every game in front of you and almost justifiably uh, given his performances in this tournament yeah I think his link up play has been fine like he's looked fit he's, he's looked fast still um, his game management has looked good like as, as in when to press when not to press um, when to drop deep etc yeah he's, he's been he's been good and I actually think Portugal were far more deserving of a result yesterday. I thought Belgium were a complete mess. Like as haphazard as Fernando Santos's substitutions were at the end of the game and he was just throwing on more and more forwards and seemingly asking them to, to do exactly the same thing in crossing the ball from deep or crossing the ball first time. There was there was just a real lack of patient probing build-up play, wasn't there? And mm. that's pretty startling considering the the players they have. I really thought prior to the game, I tweeted prior to the game that Jota and Bernardo Silva would have a lot of joy, you know, in that, like, hugging the touchline on the left and right-hand side because Belgium throughout the whole tournament have left huge spaces between fullback and and centre-half. And, you know, Vertonghen has struggled badly throughout. Um, but, yeah, you know, the XG was in Portugal's favour. I think they passed the eye test as well. Like, Belgium have just erode their luck this tournament. And I feel like... If they got slapped by one of the big nations, it would be thoroughly deserved and they've, they've had it coming to them. Um, but I think you were talking about Portugal's future, right? Like they, They're blessed with uh, some very good forward options, aren't they? Um, and I, yeah. I agree with Doogie. Like I didn't really get that the, the João Felix was a news story afterwards. Um, yeah, you know, hopefully Andre Silva gets a yeah. few more starts. Um, and it, I think the future, it, it, in safe hands with him if he, if he continues, you know, at least... If he replicates anywhere near the form he's had for Eintracht Frankfurt yeah. at international level. 
Well, there are those rumours he's going to Arsenal now. So whether or not that's the right direction for his well, career. Oh, that's in ruined then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There we go. All right. Well, listen. We'll get. We'll kick off with the first question then. Um, so since Ronaldo turned thirty-one, okay, how many goals do you think he scored in the last five years alone for his country? It's insane. So I want the. We'll go for the closest answer wins. Doogie, how many goals do you think Ronaldo scored since he turned 31 for his country? Oh, I'm trying to work out how many games that would be. I reckon it's probably, you probably play six to ten games on average uh, per year. I reckon he scored an extra 40 goals. Mm. 40. Uh, Chris, what are you going for? That is, a, I think that's a good first stab in the dark. Um, I know that he's um, I'm miles away from the microphone there enjoy that Mike uh, editing that um, I know this I know that he's, he's sort of the, t- the second half of his career there's been a glut of goals right and it, in, the, in the first half you know he was he was good but not quite as prolific when he was playing on the wing or as a, or as a second striker I mean that just mirrors his club career right um, but the second half especially stupid 31 sort of 5-6 years I'm going to go with probably like a goal a game. I'm going to go with 48. 48. All right. Uh, Chris, you take that. He scored 58 goals in the last five years for his Fair country. Fair play. Which is unreal, I think. All right, Chris, one point to you. Um, one nil. Right, well, so obviously Four, that is actually... 58. Blind. Yeah, I know. Sorry. It's just been turning it on. It's on... Un- next level if you think he scored five in this tournament alone so yeah mm. um, and a lot of those goals have come against some like lower nations and stuff I, I remember seeing a stat somewhere comparing him with Dea um, at the end of the day like Dea did score against some arguably easier teams but Ronaldo he's, he's faced the likes of Andorra etc over his career yeah. he's, like, Liechtenstein yeah he's, he's scored a lot of goals so yeah all fair game there uh, but the, he, they don't actually have the if we're looking at football as a, an entirety as a family uh, the record belongs for the most international goals belongs to Christine Sinclair. Now she is a 38-year-old striker for Canada. She's still captain and still represents. Still going, yeah, yeah, still going there. Unbelievable. 299 caps for Canada. I won't lie and say I know too much about her game there, but I mean, in the women's game, it is a lot easier to sort of play on longer. There's more international fixtures, but that's still. When you hear like the answer to this question, it is kind of crazy how many goals that she's managed to score. So how many how many goals do you think Sinclair has scored in this period for Canada? There's kind of a clue on the screen. But um, yeah, to give you some context, Abby Wambach, who's like a legendary American forward, uh, she finished on 184 and she's not the top scorer <laughs> in women's football. So uh, ridiculous. Doogie, Doogie, yeah. Doogie, what do you reckon for that one? With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. I'm going first again. Okay, I see how it is. Okay, I reckon... I know I go first this time, Duke. You're right. Because I sort of okay, used yeah, you, you a, I used you as a reference point last time, and I don't you want to be first. accused of uh, of milking that. Um, I reckon, yeah, because it's it's often treated like a almost uh, like club level, isn't it, in North America, uh, international mm. football? Like it's, it is played with such great 
frequency. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for 248. I'm going. I'm sticking with 48. There's something about 48 today that's really tickling my pickle. <laughs> All right, uh, Diggy. I am thinking a bit lower. I'm going back 210. 210. Okay. Uh, the answer is 186. So it's only a couple more than Abby went back. Um, okay. no, you've, <laughs> absolutely, you've absolutely roped us in there. So yeah, 248. Ambitious. You never know. She could She could get there. She could get there in the coming years. Um, Chris just had bigger belief in Christine. Yeah, she did. he did. All right, well, that's 1-1. One, one. Um so you're in there. All right, we'll move on. Uh, we'll go a bit on a world journey, it seems, with this one. Because we're going to go to Rogerio Senni, who's a Brazilian keeper. Chris, do you remember Senni uh, in goal? Because he's one of the most legendary goalies of all time when it comes to scoring. Um, he, 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 he's one of the famous guys that used to take free kicks, take all of the penalties for Sao Paulo. Um, yeah, ridiculous. Do you, do you miss the goal-scoring goalkeeper? There's something beautiful about it, which I think the game's missing again. Yeah, but it's never really been like part of the English game, has it? Like it's much more. If I was catching like a Copa Libertadores game at like one o'clock in the morning um, on some rogue, you know, Star TV or something, as I grew up, like it, that was far more a, like common of a sight. But um, yeah, I can't really think of a, a European equivalent. Um, you know, Paul Robinson got two <laughs> <laughs> or three or whatever it was in the Premier League. Um, I, I would actually go for, I weirdly think I might might be quite close. I'm putting my neck on the line here because I, I, I had a fascination with Brazilian footballers growing up and obviously Senna is uh, a fascinating character, uh, you know, standalone, nation aside. Mm. I'm going to go for 115 goals, by the way. Okay, okay. So yeah. I, I, you've not asked the question yet, but like, <laughs> that number just sprung to mind straight away. And I might, I might have shot my bolt, but mm. he well, was he, very, very prolific. I, he, so he played from 1992 to 2015. Uh, so a long time. Uh, we'll get onto that in a second as well. So yeah, he's uh, at Sao Paulo exclusively, which is quite cool. Um, Doogie, Chris has gone for 115 goals uh, in that period. What do you, yeah. what do you reckon? For that one. So this is his total career goals, club and country, or just? Um, this is just for uh, club goals. Just club goals. I think that he might have done a Don Bradman. I think he finished on ninety nine. Ninety nine. That's just my guess. No. Two very specific guesses. I feel like Ooh. he's a centurion, but you might. Okay, you've gone high nineties. Could edge me. Are you, Chris, are you sticking with your? Are you sticking with? Your I bat? am. I or am. You... Come on. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's one hundred thirty one goals. He scored. <laughs> way off. Which is more, I mean, it's just marginally less, I think, than what Ryan Giggs achieved in his whole career. Uh, and he plays as an attacking winger. But yeah, uh, it's, it's absolutely mental. Um, I remember I was talking about this with our podcast with Pat. And Pat was saying the best thing about the goal scoring keeper is like, if they miss, it's one of the few times you see a keeper in full sprint. Yeah, a footballer in full sprint because they have to sort of peg it back to their yeah. goal. Reminiscent David of, Marshall style. of Joe Hart. When Joe Hart became the fastest man alive. Uh, do you remember that clip? Yeah. When he like, Trying to get back he, to he his goal. He came up for a corner and it, it looked like he'd been superimposed onto the screen. Like someone had just picked him up, dragged him along and like dropped him back off at the goal. It was unreal. But yeah. That was a time when England were wearing very bold goalkeeper kits. I think he was always in yellow, wasn't he, Joe Hart? Yeah. So it just would have looked even funnier, him zooming back. But a lot of Senny's uh, goals were free kicks, weren't they? Don't, yeah. Like a, yeah. a disproportionate amount. Like he was so, so good at them. Yeah. Yeah, there needs to be more of that in the European game. It's far <laughs> too sensible these days, yeah. 
Him, he's he's pretty amazing. He's got two uh, world records to his name. The highest scoring goalkeeper and also the most club appearances as a professional as well, which I didn't realise until wow. I was researching this. Um, bear in mind, just for Sao Paulo, uh, Doogie, we'll kick off with you. How many appearances do you think that he made in uh, his career? Um, so you say he scored 131 goals? Yes. Um, so I think he played 1,200 games? Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go with that. All right. Uh, Chris, what do you think? Right, the record for most club appearances. Is this for one club or just in total? Sorry, no, this I is just for Sao Paulo. This is just for Sao Paulo. This is across his um, his whole career. He's, he's played more games as a single professional than any other player. I imagine Pele's claiming this record as well, isn't he? <laughs> yes. He'll have a go. <laughs> um, I'm going to go 1,400. 1,400. Because right. there's a lot... I mean, in Brazil, they when they play the like the regional tournaments, the Campeonatos, uh, rather than like Serie A, B, C, obviously they've got the Libertadores, they've got the Euro- Europa League equivalent. Like those seasons can be huge. And mm. traditionally they have like different squads for those competitions because they're not as lucrative. They almost have like, you know, 50 players on the on the roster. Um, mm. But maybe Senny just insisted on playing in every competition. <laughs> uh, well... You say that. Um, Doogie, the actual answer was 1,217. So you've come, you've come pretty close there. Um, I needed that. Needed yeah, that. No, it's 2-2 two, two that makes it. So this is actually working out way better than uh, I possibly could have dreamed. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, what's quite cool is he's actually manager of Flamengo today. He's, he's been quite successful with Fortaleza. He's also managed Sao Paulo. So he clearly, Senny clearly knows what he's on about. Um, but yeah, mm. Chris, you're right about Pele. He apparently played 1,375 games, but a lot of those were considered like junior games and exhibitions and stuff like that. It's the same kind of thing about his goal scoring traits as well. It depends what you sort of classify as the record and whatnot. So yeah, I'm sure there'll be some Brazilian fans watching claiming it was Pele, but um, you know, <laughs> settle for Senni for now. Um, all right, we'll move on to the, the highest attendance at a single game. Now, this came in 1950. We're still in South America. Uh, this is the World Cup final between Uruguay versus Brazil. Dubbed the Maracanazo, I believe. Yeah. Apparently, it was due to a Sounds huge... Sounds about right. Yeah, due to a huge upset uh, in that game there. Yeah, the uh, goalkeeper Barbosa let the ball go through his legs. And, you know, <laughs> as, uh, it, as happens, you know, with every Brazilian footballer that makes a big mistake, he died in destitution because he was just like couldn't forgive no. himself because they are just, yeah, just a ridiculous like, nation of fanatics, aren't they? Um, so not a nice ending to that story. <laughs> and yeah, R.I.P. Bar- Barbosa. But that that is like a scar on their national psyche, isn't it? The Maracanãzinho. Yeah. Or Canazo, yeah, Maracanãzinho. 173,850 tickets officially sold. But that's not the number we're going for. We're going for a bigger number than that that apparently snuck into the stadium. Uh, I was having a look. The, the record for like a European Championship game, bear in mind it's a fairly new competition relative to the World Cup, but that's still about 78,000. So it's like a substantial difference that has changed over the years. Doogie, what, wow. do, you, what, do, you, record the, what do you reckon the official... Uh, the unofficial attendance to that game uh, really was the highest. Did they ever. get over? Did they get over two hundred in? This is what I'm trying to think. I don't know. It feels like one hundred ninety-five. Okay. Okay. Thousand. 
Uh, Chris, what, what are you going to go for? I'm sticking with that, yeah. I'm still thinking about Barbosa, mate, because I've just, <laughs> I've just remembered that he was, uh, he was coined, I think it was the man that made the whole of Brazil cry or okay. something along those lines. That's what he was known as, the goalkeeper who made all of Brazil cry. And, you know, that is that is really bloody sad, isn't it? Yeah, that's a tough <laughs> that, gig. That, that being the epitaph of your career. Um, okay, so we're talking attendance here. The actual attendance. The actual, uh, and what was Doogie's guess, sorry? 195. Yeah. 195. Thousand. Bloody <laughs> hell. 211. Chris, you've taken it again. It's 210,000, they reckon. Come on! That's a great yeah. guess. You guys are doing a lot better than this than I thought you were going to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Mate, this is um, right up my street. Just obscure South American football trivia yeah. come on <laughs> Doogie just I mean how great is it just to see fans like back in stadiums even if it's on a micro level I mean some of the scenes in Budapest were amazing but even uh, even at Wembley just to see like a bit of noise and hear it again how great is it to have like fans back in the ground oh it makes such a monster difference I don't know about you guys but I watched more football than I ever have yeah. last season during lockdown like a ridiculous amount of football but so much of it becomes kind of melts into each other without fans in a stadium like your 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 concentration I think wavers a lot more in an empty stadium your sort of commitment to the game wavers without fans as well so I think the Euros that's why I think everyone's loving the Euros not only has the football on display been very good I think the refereeing's been really good there's been some outstanding goals and stories but fans back in the stadium just makes everything just that bit sweeter yeah couldn't agree more I don't know about you Chris like I, I used to think the noise was funny, the crowd noise they put in was funny, and now I never want to hear them get it wrong again. You know when like the cheer goes up when 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 it they clearly they've hit the when wrong they're button. DJing it wrong. Yeah, I mean, do you, are you ever going to miss the fan noise, or was that like a period of life which you're happy to sort of move move beyond? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it just it just euphoric now when a goal goes in, isn't it? Like, oh. I I just. Yeah, brought a tear to the eye. I, I I agree with Dukes. Like, let's just let's just forget about that period. Um, yeah, nothing substantial to say on it really, other than yeah, it was shit, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, it was pretty let's cool. face it. All right, we'll move. On. We'll go to the the highest score in a single match. Uh, now, like in a club game, this was out of Madagascar. It was a Madagascan title playoff in two thousand and two, where AS Adema uh, lost to. No, they beat So Elemrin one hundred forty nine nil. I didn't. I didn't want to like. I didn't want to include this because basically it was like in protest. They kept scoring own goals. They just scored own goals uh, for the entire well game. To score 149 own goals. Yeah, I was trying to figure that out in my head. That's over. That's over one a minute. So there's. I mean, the commitment to the cause is quite serious uh, yeah. in that regard. Um, unsurprisingly, the coach and a lot of the players were banned for quite a long time because it was just viewed a bit of a national disgrace. But I thought we'd go for the highest international scoreline because that came in 2001 between Australia and American Samoa. You guys might have heard about this one before. I've definitely seen the video. Um, Chris, what do you reckon the score was for that? See, I think this used to be a challenge on one of the early FIFAs to see if you could replicate that score. <laughs> really? As Australia. I think it might have been maybe, I don't know, 2000. Maybe it was like one of the World Cup editions, actually. Like the road to the World Cup. Who knows? I could be chatting absolutely. Um, I think it was 36 nil. 36 nil. Okay, Doogie, what are you? What are you? I had a very similar number. Well, I, I had 26 nil in my head, but I don't know why. But I have seen that before. But Chris might well be right. I think it definitely ends in six, and it's not 16. 
Okay. Well, I mean, Archie's Australia's Archie Thompson scored thirteen, which was a record in that game. So, you, are you are you are you going for twenty six as well, Dukes? Or what? what do you I'm going with twenty six. Chris actually went with thirty six. Okay. Um, well, it was thirty one nil. So oh. I, think, I think you have the point. I think I think that's how it works. Um, Why you don't have a sudden yeah. death prepared, you amateur? <laughs> Come on. Um, didn't end in a six. I, it didn't end in a six. I'm sorry. I mean, it's quite funny. I mean, American <laughs> Samoa. Uh, they were troubled by passport issues, so only one member of their original 20 man squad was able to play. Uh, so, and they weren't able to un- call up their under 20 side either because they had high school exams which they had to attend <laughs> so they were forced to like draft in some uh, the team including three 15 year old players uh, and had an average age of 18 and some of the Samoan players had never played a full 90 minute game in their life before they it's were like me yeah I, I mean Doogie I reckon you could have You'd have been putting strings up front for this American Oh, series. I don't know. I've only played one or two full 90s. I'm a six-a-side specialist, one of which being, yes, yeah, Soccer AM versus Football Daily. And I was struggling come the second <laughs> half. So, yeah, I think I, I've got a lot of sympathy with these um, South American, uh, American Samoan even teens. Yeah, not a lot of people, like, I think follow up with that detail when they discuss the sort uh, scoreline. They're just like really condescending to American Samoa. They just assumed that that was their first team, and that they were shit. So, oh, I've actually le- I've actually learned something new there, mate. That's um, of course of course they got beat thirty one. <laughs> like they had three fifteen year olds playing. What is going on? Apparently, Australia like they rested some of their good players. They rest. They rested some of the players that had scored in a twenty-one nil victory over Tonga a week before. But other than that, not Archie Thompson. <laughs> Archie Thompson bloody loved the absolute playground bully, mate. It is quadruple hat trick. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable scenes. Um, all right, we'll go to the longest unbeaten run ever. Uh, we all think of the Arsenal unbeatable uh, in two thousand three, two thousand four, the invincible sides, and they actually went forty nine consecutive games unbeaten, which spanned across three seasons. I think there was United that ultimately ended that, uh, but that isn't the records. Uh, that is held by Stal Bucharest in Romania. Uh, Chris, how long do you think they went undefeated in Divizia A during the eighties? This is just in domestic like league matches. How? How many matches in a row do you think they went unbeaten for? Well, Celtic went 69 games unbeaten under Brendan Rodgers. So it's got to be more Good than to that. Good to get that in. It's got to be more than that. Well, I just thought, you know, if we're going to use Arsenal as the reference point, then what about Celtic? Who... <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to play some sort of like, it has to be in the top five leagues, and now we've gone to style Bucharest. So, bloody <laughs> hell. Come on, man. Well, we've been um, all over the shot so far. We've been in, you know... We have. No, this has been, it's been far-reaching. I like it. Um... I actually think I remember seeing this one potentially end to triple digits, you know, uh, in the eighties. Oh wow! Um, okay, I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm gonna stick with my gut and go like a hundred and five. Okay, um, Doogie, what are you gonna go for? I'm gonna go eighty-five. Yeah. All right. Well, it was. It lasted for five years. Uh, <laughs> oh god, I'm way out. <laughs> and uh, they went six and a half full days of football unbeaten. If you added up every ninety minutes, which they went unbeaten, uh, the answer is 104. So Chris, wow. once again, once again, I can't believe unnervingly got... close. Yeah. Uh, so we'll just we'll just pause there. It's four two to you, Chris. Uh, with with three questions to go. Stoogie, you can still... Oh, the pressure is on. You can still bring it back. Yeah, Stal Bucharest, what a side in the 80s. Who knew? Um, I'm sure 
Pat or Dave, some of the older members of the squad, uh, the team might remember. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, all right. Well, they were Longest... a pretty prominent force in Europe, weren't they? Was it? Who was the, what was the manager's name? The famous manager. Oh, I shouldn't have brought it up, should I? Let's just move Wasn't on. Wasn't it Haji, Haji's dad? Is that not right? Yanis Haji? Georgie, Georgie Haji? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Crack on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right, the longest penalty shootout. We're now going to Namibia, uh, which, which should be good fun. Uh, in 2005, in the Namibian Cup, KK Palace and Civics drew 2 2 and it went to penalty kicks, where Palace prevailed. 17-16 in the shootout itself. Uh, the question is though, how many uh, how many kicks in total do you think uh, was part of the longest penalty shootout ever? Doogie, you go first again on this one. How many do you reckon? So I think that uh, generally when penalty shootouts go for a really long time, there's very few misses in my limited experience of watching <laughs> long penalty shootouts. So I'm going to go with six players missed which means that 33 there was 39 penalties 39 penalties all right chris again i'm inclined to go for a far more ambitious answer um okay okay i'm gonna go i might even go like 10 players i'm gonna go like 49 um but also i want to caveat this with or not caveat it with i want to ask you guys what is the best penalty shootout you've ever seen on screen, on screen or in the flesh? Oh, great question. Remember uh, Celtic playing Dundee United, and I think we might have won like fifteen, fourteen. And Arta Burrick took. He might have took one or two penalties, but it was. I love it when it gets to the keepers. I absolutely yeah. love it. Like hook me up on that stuff. I mean, I think Man United versus Villarreal, in terms of the standard of penalties, was absolutely exceptional. Um, and then David De Gea missing the missing the crucial one. Was it Italy versus Germany in the 2006 World yeah. Cup semi final as well? Was quite a good one. So yeah, I'd probably go one of those two. I know I know it sounds really basic, but one of my earliest memories is that obviously that Istanbul final. And just mm. it wasn't so much the penalties itself; it was more Jersey Dudex. What was it? His 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 style in the goal, like the wavy legs that he had going on, mm. which uh, in, you know trance oh, Shevchenko. Aren't we roughly a similar age? One of your most formative memories was in 2005. <laughs> no, were, you, were you knocked out as a child? Did you have like a series of long con- like concussions? No, no. I, no I, I think it was like the first time I really remember loving football. I remember explicitly <laughs> watching the Germany, England beat Germany 5-1. I remember really watching that game. Uh, yeah. But I think I became a Liverpool fan. I mean, this is probably not something I should admit on this podcast, but... I did. Used, I did used to support Liverpool, and now I supported Fulham. And I know it's not really the done thing in terms of. Um, no, you then. I admire you've come that. Clean. Yeah, you, you're definitely treading the path. Um, What's it? The, the, what you've gone? You've gone the higher road, let's say. Yeah. Well, my dad. Yeah, you've done a Ryan Babble. Yeah. My dad hates football, and uh, my mum was bullying him to hang out with me. So they. they, they sent <laughs> and now <laughs> Neil Lennon's in charge of Fulham. If that happens, enjoy. I'll, if that happens, I am going to cry. Uh, but yeah, all right, <laughs> Diggy, what was your what was your answer in the end? What did you go for? Uh, what did I say? Thirty nine, I think I said. And Chris, you went for forty nine. Was I think it? it? Might have been forty nine. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, you've won that one again. It was forty eight kicks in total. Uh, in what is that? What did you have for lunch? This is insane, mate. Uh, I'm I'm in dire straits here. I can I can <laughs> take my hat on and off. Like I'm so hot in this tiny little room. Um, I don't you know. You need to have two hours sleep more often. I know. I'm I'm in delirious at the moment. So I'm just in some sort of like flow. Dude, do you, have, 
Dukes, do you actually like penalty shootouts? Because now I've, I've discovered your abject hatred for extra time, uh, which, I, which I didn't realise. <laughs> oh, I, I think... <laughs> I think everyone loves penalty shootouts. I just generally think extra time is incredibly boring. Uh, but the amount of people that messaged me on Friday night <laughs> after Italy versus Austria being like, did you find that boring? It's like, not every time. Uh, I just generally think extra time, very little happens because most players are just absolutely bricking it for what, about what's to come. All right. I, I, you know, I'm not sure I agree, but yeah, uh, I do respect that. Um, the, some great games. The quarterfinals so far have been, uh, the last 16 games have been off the chain so far, which is mm-hmm. so good. Let's fingers crossed for England. I think this goes out before the England game, so we'll. we'll, we'll... Mike, God, Mike, don't get me to do a Mike's asked us not to predict anything because they want us to end up looking wrong. <laughs> we shall Fair see. Enough. All right. So next one is the hardest shot ever recorded. Uh, I thought of you, Diggy, when I was writing this down because I think you've got the hardest shot at Football Daily. I think you've got Ooh, really? the most lethal strike. I remember from the cage. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> okay. Sporting Lisbon defender Ronnie Heberson smashed home a free kick in 2006. But what was the speed in kilometres per hour? Uh, for ca- for context, if you remember Zlatan's goal against Anderlecht for PSG mm. in two, uh, 2016, that came in at 125 kilometres per hour. And that's the 10th hardest ever recorded, bear in mind. I think Stephen Reid for Blackburn yeah. Stephen Reed for Blackburn was like the third uh, on this list. Uh, Chris, what do you reckon, Robbie, Ronnie Heberson, what speed do you reckon he managed to get up to uh, in that free kick? I remember playing at a, a tournament at goals when I was about 12, maybe even younger, 11, like with with blokes just being like, they just needed a ringer. And I was like, yeah, I was down there. My dad worked there at the time. I was like, I'll play. And it was about minus four outside. And I got hit <laughs> with what felt like the hardest shot of all oh. time. And it perfectly left an umbro, um, like, <laughs> what is it? logo yeah just imprinted on my like thigh for like four days <laughs> um so that Nasty. was the hardest strike of all time is the is the answer to, to that question my answer anyway but i'm gonna go for around 200 kilometers like that and that's just that's just logic from zlatan being 10th right to what's 200 kilometers in miles an hour you half it plus a quarter don't you uh yeah i'm not good with kilometers bro yeah, so that would be 100, 125 miles an hour. Like, uh, Oof, probably not. Wow. I don't know. This feels stupid. <laughs> Doogie, go on. What do you reckon? Um, if Zlatan was 125, I'm going to say it was 160 kilometers per hour. more sensible, yeah. Well, you say that. The answer was 221 kilometers oh per hour. What? God. What is Ronnie Heberson's thighs made of? How has he done that? That that comes in that comes in at one hundred and thirty seven miles per hour. Which Did he is hit titanium boots? Was it one of those balls that you buy from a garage, like an airflow ball? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, you, you can see it on YouTube actually. I mean, I'm I'm actually I'm pleased the goalie didn't try to save it because I think his hand yeah would, hand would have gone clean off if he tried. If to that hits it. you in the face, you probably like your nose genuinely goes <laughs> into your skull. Did yeah. anyone like line up in a in a wall like after that after Ronnie Heberson scored that like free kick? <laughs> Imagine being asked to be in the wall against one of his free kicks. You'd be like, no, it's not worth it. It's not worth yeah, it. Yeah, I they want can to score. be fertile. <laughs> yeah, that no, is it's insane. It doesn't even feature on his Wikipedia page either, which is you know a crying shame. But uh, the, Modest. the long Modest the longest header the longest header will finish on that one. It's the final uh, <laughs> <laughs> the final question of this whirlwind of an episode. Uh, and this one comes from the, Nor- the Norwegian top flight. Um, 
And this was in 2011. Odd BKs. Oh, I love that team name. Yona Samuelson redirected a header towards goal. You might have seen this one probably on YouTube as well. Uh, Chris, in metres, how many metres from the goal do you think he was? Managed to head it in. Christ. I imagine this is like one of those ones where it's from his own box. A football pitch is... Wind assisted. 100 metres, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> How am I taking that long to to think of that? Um, I'm going to go for he did it. Yeah, I mean, that's in the Arctic Circle, isn't it? So, so yeah. it could well have been, yeah, like, it could well have been apocalyptic conditions. Um, I'm going to go from... The air is thinner up there. From, nine, from 87 metres. 87 oh. metres. All right, Doogie, what do you think? Well... Chris so far has pretty much always gone... I've always gone lower than Chris and it's really backfired on these ridiculous records. So I'm going to up it. <laughs> I think he scored it from 90 metres. I just don't think you can head it any further than that, but 90. I mean, the answer's 58 metres. Right, uh, okay. oh. I think you've both been massively well, How anticlimactic. To assume a bloke could head the ball from his own penalty box. Yeah. But with the wind behind it, I, I don't mean in one bank. Yeah, um, I mean it just rolls in. There is no question that yeah, my the, our suggestions were ridiculous. But I was just sticking with the general theme of this episode. To be perfectly frank, like did yeah. I think that Australia would ever be playing three fifteen-year-old Samoans that had never played football? <laughs> like no, yeah. so you know, come on. Um, but fifth, that's still pretty impressive. What is it? That is very impressive. Well within well his own Yanni. half. Half. Yeah. Decent. Yeah. No, it was it. There was basically the goalie was out of his goal, so the whole placement wild. It's quite a fun video, uh, so check that out too. So the final score, Chris, you've taken that seven-two across. Absolute uh, demolition, fully deserved. In, uh, the Football Daily Extra Time podcast, first ever um, record off. Show. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, those are all of our records. Let us know uh, what you think at home about these records. If there's one you've, we've missed out, which you think we should have included in this episode, do say uh chris if at home they have enjoyed this extra podcast what should they be going to check out right now go and check out the latest explained on football daily uh or head on over to your football daily and, and clock the latest one-on-one nice uh doogie anything from you uh no why don't, oh, well, if you're already there to watch one-on-one on euro football daily why don't you check out the scat report that henry wrote oh, yes. about who arsenal should actually sign this summer which went out on monday Yes, that's true. Uh, Ruben Neves, Dugan and I have been debating this one, but I reckon he's the Mm. one to go for there. Uh, Once again, thank you to our sponsor, uh, Fan Team. Make sure you enter there. You've got to be 18 plus in terms of conditions. Find the link in the description below. Anyway, join us again next week, and we'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye.